Thank you. I can see you're all big fans of rhythm guitar. Thank you. That was really hard for me. I appreciate it. Now, uh, this is my good friend, um, Dave Beagle. We've been doing music for 25 years together. Dave's kind of a legend around Colorado. Um, and even further than that, Dave has played with Eddie Van Halen, B.B. King, Keith Richards. When he was 19, he flew, 19, he flew to New York to try out for Kiss. So... Um, <laughs> I would have liked to see whatever face paint they gave you back in the day and the boots and the whole thing. Um, but, but Dave is uh, one of the most gifted, kind, um, committed believers that I know. I think my favorite story of Dave, uh, you, maybe eight or nine years ago, we were doing a gig and I, I texted him. I said, hey, we're doing this Lincoln Brewster song, this really big guitar solo, it's 16 bars. Um, you think you can play that? And he texted me back, Lincoln Brewster is a speed bump on my way to real guitar playing. So um, that's a little bit of insight into Dave, uh, but one of the most godly, humble, other than that text, um, people that I know. And um, it's great to have him. He's married. Um, he has a daughter, Naomi, and they live in Loveland. So please make Dave will feel welcome. You know, today uh, we're going to talk a little bit about hope. I don't know how you came to church. I don't know what's going on in your lives. Uh, maybe you're at the top of the peak and everything's great. You came in here skipping and whistling. That is great. Praise God. Uh, maybe you're holding on to that last thread and you came to church and you're thinking, man, I need something um, because everything is falling apart. Well, the good news is that hope is here and the good news is that hope has already found you. In fact, we're told in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope, oh, that is really small, I'll read it over here, <laughs> may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, this is going to be a little bit different morning, as Jonathan said. Uh, by the way, thank you for allowing two guys like Dave and I to get up here and have a little bit different uh, Sunday morning. We've really been looking forward to this. We want you to have fun. We want you to smile and enjoy some music. But above all else, ultimately, we just want to point people to Jesus. And uh, that's what we're going to do today.
In Exodus 14, we find Moses, and he's running with the Israelites, and they're running away from Pharaoh, and they get out into the desert, and they have nowhere to go. The army is behind them, the sea's in front of them, and all the Israelites run up to Moses, and they say, Moses, why did you bring us here? We are going to die in this desert. Were there not enough graves in all of Egypt that you brought us here to die? Moses has no idea that God's about to part the sea and that his people are going to be saved. And for thousands of years, people will talk about what happened at that moment. And in Exodus 14, 14, God looks down at Moses and he says, be still and I will fight for you. Sometimes I feel surrounded
Thank you, guys. Whole bunch of pedals and fun right there. Almost getting this in tune. I used to be really afraid of taking 10 seconds to tune in front of an audience because I thought I'd lose everybody. And then I realized how much worse a four-minute out-of-tune song was. So we're almost there. So in 1969, um, there was a farmer, he was a pig farmer that lived outside of Nashville, and he was just about broke, and he wandered into a music store um, there near the Grand Old Opry, and he bought a used old Martin N20 guitar. It's this picture right here you're going to see. Now, all these years later, it's one of the most famous guitars in the world, um, I would say probably the most famous. Can you think of a more famous guitar? Stevie Ray's, maybe a little bit. Um, this guitar, anybody know who this is owned by? Willie Nelson. It's Willie Nelson's guitar, Trigger. And this old Martin guitar, um, it's an amazing, amazing instrument. And for whatever you think of Willie Nelson's music, he is a master guitar player. He is a fantastic guitar player. Play a little Willie Nelson here, Dan. Little blue, blue eyes crying in the rain behind us as we go. But what you might not know about guitars is, even though they're, some of them can be beat up and they look like this, old guitars sound better. Beat up guitars sound better. And there is a reason. When you first get a brand new guitar, there's over 30 pieces of wood. Those woods, some of them come from up near New York. A lot of Sitka comes from Alaska. Um, you have Brazilian. Um, Brazilian wood, which comes down um, from South America, which is really hard to get these days. But you have all these different kinds of woods, and you put them together, and under 175 pounds of string tension, these woods start to come together. But it takes a while. It takes a long time for them to come onto those pressures and start to sound like an instrument. In fact, it usually takes at least a year for a guitar to even begin to break in. But you give it five years, you give it 10 years, you give it 20 years, and those, those woods begin to loosen up. They vibrate more freely. There's moisture content. Um, there's the humidity. There's all these things that go into it. But the guitar eventually gets broken in, and it sounds better and better because it's vibrating better on the top. But it takes a master player for a guitar to reach its full potential. Now, here's, here's the twist as we come into this. I don't know what you're like your life has been like this year and maybe you feel like all this tension you're under you're about you're about to break and it doesn't feel like it's beautiful music being played it doesn't feel like you're being played by a master it feels like everything's about to come apart god sees you god knows you god fights for you there is hope in jesus the master is playing you in your story and there is a beautiful melody in your life even if you can't hear it now even if it feels like it looks like Willie Nelson's guitar trigger God is not done with you and God hears you and we're going to talk more about that today today in this place God believes in you start to doubt if you exist, God believes in you, confounded by the evidence, God believes in you, 
your light burns so dim When your chances seem so slim You swear you don't believe in Him God believes in you When you rise up just to fall again God believes in you Deserted by your closest friends God believes in you And when you're betrayed with a kiss You turn your cheek to another fist It does not have to end like this God believes in you And everything matters if anything matters at all And everything matters no matter how big No matter how small Cause God believes in you God believes in you When you're so ashamed That you could die God believes in you And you can't do right Even though you try God believes in you Blessed are the ones who weep The ones who mourn And the ones who grieve Sorry you so but enjoy your reap God believes in you. Everything matters if anything matters at all. And everything matters no matter how big, no matter how small. Blessed are the ones who weep, the ones who mourn, and the ones who grieve. Sorry you so, but enjoy your reap. Because God believes in you. God believes in you. God believes in you. One more tuning. Almost there. I played some of my first ever guitar music on this stage when I was in high school. I remember I played Joe Satriani. He's always with you, always with me. Oh my goodness, I haven't played this 30 years. We did not plan this. I'll play the first 10 seconds. I got the first, first four notes. That was awesome. Thank you. Woo! Yes. That was a long time ago. Uh, you know, I was driving down the road um, not that long ago, maybe seven or eight years ago, with our younger daughter, Maggie, who happens to be in the front row with my wife, Raina. And we're riding down the road, and it was just the two of us, and we're late to where we're going. And, and I opened up the back door of the minivan, 
and Maggie was just a little girl, and, and, and I opened the door, and there she is covered in lipstick. But it wasn't on her lips. It was on her legs, arms, everywhere there could be uh, but her lips. And so I'm a little stressed. I'm like, Maggie, what are you doing? We got to go. What are you doing? And she looks up at me, big brown eyes, and she says, but Dad, I'm not beautiful yet. So I knew, I knew this was a really important moment that would last and reverberate through the years. So I looked at her, and I said, Maggie, lipstick doesn't make you beautiful. You need mascara and blush and all this other stuff that goes with it. I did not. I did not say that. I said, Maggie, you're more beautiful than you could ever imagine. God knows every hair in your head. He knows when you sleep and when you rise. And she truly is one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen. But the Bible tells us that God has a name for us. This all-powerful creator who threw the mountains into existence with the power of his voice, knows you, thinks you're beautiful, and has a name for you. And according to Revelation 2.17, God has written our name on a white stone before the beginning of time. And when we get to heaven, God will reveal to us who we are, what our true name is. So as you sit here today, the Lord of all creation fights for you. There is hope, there is joy, and he has a name for you. You are not forgotten. There's a name you never heard One I gave you long before your birth I carved it deep on a stone A secret no one else would ever know In the springtime of the stars I knew your name centuries I've waited for this day Welcome home my son I know the road was long I was with you all the way And I've always known just where you belong And I've given you
giving you the name. I've given you a name. I've given you a name. I've given you a Super fun for me to be back here uh, this weekend. As Jonathan mentioned, uh, I grew up in this building. My um, my parents moved to Colorado Springs when I was in seventh sixth grade, uh, so that we could attend CSCS, which met in this room. Um, I remember playing basketball in this gym and, um, and getting rug burns on our knees. It was awful. Um, my dad worked at this church. As I was growing up, I, I walked these halls for high school. Uh, my my youth pastor. Joe Hesh, way back when, here at this church, taught me to play guitar. So I, 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 I love this place. It's super fun for me to be back. And when I was in high school, um, I met a girl. Her name was Cindy. She was a cheerleader. Um, I was just trying to get by playing sports and just learning how to play guitar. In fact, uh, my first guitar I got at the flea market right up here in Nevada. Uh, after church one day, it was the summertime, and my dad and I were walking by, and there was this, it was $12, I remember, it was a guitar and an amp, and it had two strings on it, and, um, and he bought it, and I started learning how to play guitar, and I just want to be Eddie Van Halen or U2, so I was just learning how to, doing all that, so, sidetrack. Um, but then got into high school, and I met Cindy, and uh, we went to college together at Colorado State University. And, and I decided, you know, I think I'm going to marry this girl. So I paid the scoreboard operator 50 bucks at a Colorado Rockies baseball game. And they, they put it up, will you marry me, in, in the middle of the game. And um, we had our whole lives in front of us. She was top of her class, um, getting ready to go to medical school. I just played a lot of ping pong in college and just starting to get into music and um, kind of had it all figured out. She'd be a doctor. She could pay the bills. I'd do music and let her pay the bills. And so we got married in 1994, and, and we had our whole lives in front of us. Uh, but we'd only been married for about six months when we found out that she had cancer. And we were young. We were broke. Um, we didn't know what to expect, and we moved to Philadelphia where her father worked at a hospital, and Cindy began chemotherapy. And it was a really lonely, difficult time. We, we lived in this big house. We didn't know anybody. It was eight months of um, just her going through treatment. And I would just go running every day because I had nothing else to do. As she was not feeling good and sleeping. And she went through eight months of chemo, another eight weeks of um, radiation treatment. And the doctor said, it looks like the cancer is gone, but unlikely with all the treatment that, that she had had that she would ever be able to have biological children and they said it's possible it's just not real likely and other things had happened and so we started looking into adoption we were always excited to adopt and we moved back to Colorado and I started doing music again and 
we found out after about a year um, that, that Cindy was pregnant. Here's this little miracle baby um, that's coming along. In December of 1997, she gave birth to Grace, and um, Grace is now 24 years old, getting married in a couple months. And a couple more years go by, no sign of cancer, and um, God opened the door for us to adopt. So we adopted a little boy and um, named him Jack. We were there to cut the cord and bring him home and, and do the whole thing. And uh, Jack is now 21 years old, living in California, working at a Christian camp. But our lives turned around forever. Um, February of 2002, cancer was years in Cindy's past, but every now and then things would come up. And we were coming back from trip and she wasn't feeling well. She went to the doctor and while she was signing in at the doctor's office, she collapsed and had a massive heart attack. And at the age of 30, went to be with the Lord. So on a cold February day in South Denver, um, I found myself single dad with two little kids. Grace was four. Jack had just learned to walk. He was a year and a half. And just picking up the pieces and um, wondering where God was and not feeling like an instrument that's being played beautifully, not feeling like God was fighting for me, not feeling like the hope that we find in Romans 15. And I just kind of put one foot in front of the other. There's a lot of people that came, surrounded us, help take care of our family, help get us through. Um, but it was a difficult, lonely time. And I'm sure some of you even here today um, are struggling. And you're here today and you're like, yeah, I don't feel like singing a praise song. I don't feel like hearing another verse. I want God to come down through the ceiling and help take care of my life. And I don't pretend that with these, these little songs and stories we can speak with any great depth into your life. But God can. And where you sit today, God can bring you hope. So a couple years go by, and I'm just kind of struggling along, and, and I'm out in Washington, D.C. doing music. And it's a big conference called uh, DCLA, and there's this, this booth for Compassion International, and you know, there's all the packets of the kids you can sponsor, and I love the ministry of Compassion. I'm hanging out with some friends of mine that work there that... Um, even here today, Kelly's here today. And, and there's all these packets. And out from behind the booth comes this beautiful, dark-haired girl, first day on the job with compassion. And I remember thinking, forget the kids. I want to sponsor her. Where do I sign up? And um, shortly thereafter, I found out it was more than $38 a month, but worth every penny. Um, so thanks for pausing on my joke. That made it so much better. You could tell we played together a lot. He's been waiting all day for that. Uh, so, so Raina came along, and she was spring after a long winter. And I remember I actually played at Pope at Rock 19 years ago, and we were just getting to know each other. And we sat right over here, and, um, and I, was, I, didn't, I didn't know how to flirt with a girl because it had been a long time. I was only dated the only girl that I married, the only girl that I'd ever dated. And my veins say hi if you look at my veins. And I was sitting right there, and I looked over, and I was like, Hi. And I was thinking, boy, I'm surprised she didn't run. What a creeper. But Raina came to the house. The kids fell in love with her. And, um, and, and God was bringing that spring after that winter. So it was her birthday. It was December 2nd. 
and, and I knew that God had ordained this. And so I, I wanted to ask her to marry me. So I can't fix anything. I can't build anything. I'm worthless with most things in this world. But I can do music and, and write songs. So I wrote her a song. She came over to the house. I played the song, asked her to marry me. And she said yes. And, and we get in the car, and we're driving up Parker Road um, down in the Parker to Aurora where my parents lived. And it's a snowy Christmas night. It's like a Hallmark Channel movie. And we're driving, listening to Nat King Cole. I can still remember as the big flakes are coming down. And we get to my parents' house. And, and we, we go in, and it's, all the lights are down, and the trees in the, the corner, and it's all quiet, just barely blinking. And Gracie comes bounding into the room, this little kid with all this hair. And she, she runs up, and she sits on my lap. I say, Grace, guess what? You're not going to believe this. I asked Miss Raina to marry me. And the craziest thing happened. She, she started to wiggle her little feet and then her little buns and then her hands went in the air. And she started doing this kind of happy dance. And it's just, it was just almost all the, the, the pain and confusion that a little girl can feel, a little kid, just kind of bubbled up. And all that pain was kind of coming out as joy. And I know that blended families can be difficult. We've experienced that. I know that there's people out there, it can be really hard. But in that moment... Um, it was bubbling up as joy. And as I processed it for years to come, it hit me that joy is deeper after pain. And we're in the middle of July. It's 100 million degrees. And we're a long ways from Christmas. But before you know it, we're going to be headed into the Christmas season. And we're going to sing songs about the angels appearing to the shepherds. And we're going to sing songs, Silent Night. We're going to sing Holy Night, Glory to God in the Highest, Joy to the World. All about that moment when the angels proclaimed, Unto you a Savior is born. Glory to God in the Highest. And it's good, it's true, it's scripture. But I think sometimes what we forget is the angels also knew prophecy. They knew that Jesus, this friend that they knew in heaven, would be beaten, that he would be betrayed, that he would be murdered. So maybe in their song that night, just a little bit, just maybe just a little bit of pain, bittersweet, knowing that their friend would be murdered. But how much deeper the joy, knowing that three days later, Jesus would rise from the grave, conquering death to give us hope and to give us joy. This is called, Did the Angels Cry? Did the angels mourn you leaving on the night that you were born? Were the halls of heaven empty with you gone? Were there echoes of your laughter, words of silence round the throne? When the hills of Bethlehem became your home? Did they gather in the stillness? Before light filled the sky Was there heartbreak in heaven on that night? And when the king of angels Was left on earth to die Before their joyful singing Did the angels 
angels cry They were told that you'd be beaten Rejected and betrayed The baby sleeping peaceful on the hay They were told that you'd be Lying on a cross Alone and forsaken by his God Did the prophecies of anguish Make for deeper loss The sufferings of Christ Are those of God And when the King of Angels Was left on earth to die They knew the joy set before That you would reign forevermore But first you'd bear the way of all our sin So as you flew away from heaven On that night Did the angels cry you. Well, the, the wonderful bookend to that story is um, little Maggie over here. Um, she's not little anymore. She's going to be a junior in high school. Um, but if you kept track of that whole story, we have uh, three kids from three birth moms in our house. We have three firstborns and two really insecure dogs. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's our house. Um, as we wind up, um, just play something in G, Dave. God's key, G. Um, as we wind up, um, it is, it's such a privilege to be here. Uh, don't take it for granted. Thank you again, Jonathan, for opening this platform. Great to work with my, my good friend, Cindy. You guys are blessed to have her here at this church. Um, it, it's really, truly great to be here. And Maybe as you're hearing all this stuff, you, you came to church, and, and God feels far away. Um, this whole Jesus thing sounds just foreign to you, uh, but the root of the Christian faith, the root of our hope, the root of hope that we find in Romans 15, 13, the hope that we find is through Jesus Christ. And very simply, um, God's only son, God sent Jesus to this earth. And Jesus lived a perfect life, 33 years old, never sinned, and he was crucified 
on a cross. And the Bible tells us when, when he was crucified on the cross, he took your sins and my sins, all the things we've done wrong in our lives, he took those sins. And when he rose from the grave, we are told that we are forgiven of our sins when we trust in Jesus Christ. It's not just by praying a prayer. It's not just by living a good life. It's by knowing that you've messed up, that I've messed up, that we all have things that separate us from God trusting in Jesus to forgive those sins because he has the power to forgive those sins. He has the power over death. So right now, I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to do a big, long Billy Graham altar call, but if, if you've never made that decision and, and God's tugging at your heart right now and you're looking for some hope, it starts with Jesus. It starts with trusting to follow. So let's all pray. And in the quietness of your own mind, if you want to pray this prayer with me, God, thank you for loving me. Jesus, I know there's a lot of things that I've done wrong in my life. Jesus, I know I have sin. I'm asking that you come into my life and you forgive me of my sin. Change me. Jesus, I'm trusting in you as my hope of salvation. Thank you for loving me when I didn't deserve it. prayed that prayer for the first time today. The Bible tells us that you've crossed from death into life and there's nothing that can take your salvation. So if you made that decision, I really encourage you um, to find some people at this church, let them know so they can get you plugged in. This great Bible-believing church, um, they can get you plugged in and growing in your faith. But I'm going to invite you to stand as we close up. Hopefully you had some fun and some smiles and laughs, um, but hopefully also you remember that God sees you, that he fights for you, that he has a name for you, and there is hope in the person of Jesus. Let's celebrate that in song.